Forget them kids. Hey everybody, we're back. Welcome back to Forget Them Kids. I'm your host Alexis and I'm the only person you have this episode. Um, today is the two-year anniversary of the passing of my mother, so I felt like it was fitting for me to just hold this episode down myself um, to kind of make it less awkward for my co-host, Shatay, and just to get some things off my chest. I feel like some of the things that I have to say, I haven't really said out loud to other people. Um, if you were around for a lot of the stuff that happened then you know, or I've said bits and pieces here on the podcast, but you know, sometimes my dark humor kind of masks truly how I'm feeling. So I felt like this open letter would be the perfect way to commemorate like how strong of a person my mother was. Um, she pops up in my head at random times. Um, if you've ever grieved somebody, then you know, grieving gets better with time, but at the same time, it's kind of like a roller coaster. You can be fine one day, the next you're not. Or for me personally, I just have bad moments sometimes. I don't really have bad days. But if something happens that makes me think of her, it's super triggering. Or if I feel like um, I'm upset um, and I miss my best friend, then that's triggering to me. Um, That kind of thing. So I kind of just was thinking about how far I came and how short of a journey it was for me to prepare myself to lose my mother. So, whew, okay, so I got my wine, I'm good to go, I'm probably not going to cry, but I'm just, you know how I feel. I always say I feel awkward talking on the podcast by myself because it's weird to just sit in a room, but I got some shit to get off my chest. So my mother passed September 19, 2019 at approximately 9.53 p.m. at Hershey Medical Center, and I feel like Me losing her has created um, trauma for me. Um, Sometimes I feel like abandoned by my parents because unfortunately I'm an orphan now um, with losing my both of my parents in a year. But I am very appreciative for the co-workers that she had because they truly shown to be her family. They essentially really do keep her alive because even when I'm not thinking um, about her or about the good times and stuff, they'll text me. Hey, I just saw your car, thought about you. Hey, your mom's birthday came out while playing the numbers and stuff like that. It just makes me feel like, dang, my mom really was loved, not just by her family, her kids, her grandchild, but by her coworkers too. She was just that funny, bold, like a fashion statement in itself. Um, super amazing. And like I already said before, just very strong. I think that's where I got my strength from. Um, Because a lot of the stuff that I went through with this situation, people really didn't expect me to bounce back and bounce back as fast as I I did. So I remember I talked about this on the podcast before with just saying the pandemic was kind of a blessing in disguise for me because it forced me to stop and think about everything that I went through and actually grieve and get my shit together, essentially, because it was a lot that was going on um, surrounding my mom's passing. So I kind of wanted to just start from the beginning. Um, Back in June of 2019, I had just started my new job. It was a job in my career field. So my mom was super proud and happy for me for that, that I finally got what I wanted. So I was starting a new job. And literally one day, my mom was complaining that her shoulder was hurting. 
And this had went on for a few days. Um, she, I remember she went to the doctors and got a muscle relaxer. Um, and even she was doing that for a few days and the pain kind of wasn't easing up. So with my new job, I wasn't working every day. So one day I'm just like, Hey, I'm not working. Let me take you down to the emergency room to get checked out. Cause there's no way someone like shoulder hurts for a, probably a week at this point. So I take her to the emergency room, of course, Harrisburg hospital, you sit down there for hours. So I'm just sitting down there with her all day. And when she finally gets checked out, she gets x-rays and all this other stuff. And they come back and say that they found spots on her x-ray, probably in the, like the chest area. And somehow that was causing the arm pain. So the look on her face, um, I think I even talked about this on the podcast before, like the look on her face, she didn't seem too surprised at all. Like it just like was not news to her. So I'm standing there confused, like, okay, I don't really know what this means. Like what does spots on the chest mean? Um, it didn't really cross my mind that the doctor was kind of hinting that it was possibly could be cancer. So at the time he did say it was a potential to not be cancer that we actually needed to get it diagnosed by, you know, all the special doctors or whatever. So I instantly had a hard time, but I couldn't show my mom that a hard time because she was acting like everything was fine, that nothing was bothering her, that everything was going to be okay. Um, so I took her home and I kind of just went to the boyfriend that I have now. I went to his house and I kind of just like broke down because I'm the type of person that I think the worst. I go from A to Z really fast. So I'm just pretty much upset. Like I'm going to lose my mom, you know, but after talking to everybody, everybody's like, it's not over. Like she's not even diagnosed with cancer. Everything will be okay. Prayers, this prayers, that whatever y'all know how it goes. So essentially, I guess within the week we were able to get her into a doctor's appointment. I was unable to go because I had to work. So the whole time I'm at work, I immediately started feeling guilty because I just felt like I needed to be there for her. But as all of this is going on, my mom is literally getting sick in front of my eyes. It was like the moment they told us something was wrong was when the decline started. So like I said, a week after we found the spots on her chest, she went to her doctor's appointment and they said they had to wait for the test to come back to officially say it was cancer. But we didn't even get the diagnosis before my mom ended up in the hospital for the first time. I literally worked an early morning shift and got off at 1130 in the morning, uh, went to the gym because I was trying to get my body right. And I was um, stopped and got lunch, actually. And then I came home when I came home. I instantly was looking for my mom because she wasn't on the couch and I saw that she was like upstairs in her bedroom. So I'm like fussing at my mom to come down the steps. I said my mom's room was on the third floor. I'm fussing at her to come downstairs because she had no business being up, moving around to me, knowing my mom, she was up cleaning, organizing stuff, pretty much doing everything the doctors told her not to do. They essentially told her to relax until they got a better grasp of what we were looking at. So as my mom comes down the steps to me, she kind of just freezes and I'm looking at her like, I don't know what's going on. So I instantly held my mom, um, into my bedroom and it appears to me that she was having some type of seizure stroke. Like, I don't, I don't know what was going on with her body, but her body was literally like tightening up all on her right side, but she wasn't like shaking and stuff like that, that you see on the movies. 
she was just pretty much like tightening up, but she's talking to me, telling me not to call the ambulance. Um, so I let it ride for a little bit. I called a family member to come over. Um, and by the time my family member got there, I already had called the ambulance because in my head, it's like, I would feel horrible if something really happened to my mom and I listened to her poor judgment to not call the ambulance. So I follow the ambulance to the hospital. And by the time we make it to the hospital, I'm assuming that whatever, uh, seizure thing was going on with my mom apparently had knocked her out from the time that she left the house to the time they got to the hospital. Because when my mom arrives at the hospital, I'm sitting in the ER waiting for her name to pop up on their tracker list so I can go back and see her. And like 15, 20 minutes go by and her name still doesn't pop up. And I'm just like, well, where the hell did my mom go? Because I pulled in right after the ambulance and I parked the car and came straight in. Like she should be back there. Come to find out, um, they had my mom listed as a Jane Doe because like I said, she was passed out. So she wasn't able to give like her name, identification, nothing. Um, so by the time I got back to see my mom, they already had her in a medically like um, induced coma. Um, so I'm asking the doctors just like pretty much like what is happening at this point? Because at this point, like I said, the cancer was not confirmed um, and her body just was doing its own thing. So my mom actually didn't wake up for about a day. Um by the time they got her into her room, I ended up like just going home to like me- mentally decompress, take care of my brother, take care of my son. And I went back to the hospital the next day and my mom was awake, but they had restraints on her. So I'm just like, well, what's going on now? And she was being a fighter from the jump, like wanted to get out of there, wanted to go home. That's all I can remember her saying. So fast forward, I guess we'll just say, my mom total was in the hospital for about a month. Um, she had to get radiation because they confirmed it was cancer. Um, they were saying that it kind of spread spread to her brain and that she would need the radiation before she could start get started with chemo. So she was in the hospital, all her spots cleared up and I was able to take her home. And I can remember when my mom came home, I already knew that I was in for a long road a long journey, but I was willing to do whatever because it's my mother. So I actually have a video of the day my son came home from school and got off the bus. And he was so excited to see my mom. Like it was such a surprise to him that she was actually home from the hospital. Um, my mama came home with like maybe six to seven different medications, some injections, some pills, It was just, I just knew it was going to be a lot. Some you had to take in the morning, some in the evening, some with food. Like, it was just all over the place. I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Am I supposed to find, like, a nurse? It it was just a lot going through my head. I didn't really have um, nobody to help because nobody really had been through anything like that. So I was kind of on my own listening to, like, what my coworkers were saying, maybe what my friends had heard, um... But at that time, once they said that the radiation had cleared the spots on her brain and she was good to go for chemo, I just knew my mom was going to beat that lung cancer. Um, She came home and she was pretty much couch ridden. Um, They told her to pretty much take it easy and not do too much. Unfortunately, that never really worked for my mother. She really was a type of lady to go to work, come home clean on the weekends, talk on the phone nonstop from the time she got home from work until the time it was time to go to bed. 
drink her alcohol, smoke her cigarettes, her Newport 100s in a box, and wake up and do it all over again. So for her to come home, I was surprised that the doctor said that she didn't even withdraw from cigarettes or alcohol or nothing. Things that my mother was saying that she couldn't give up, that she was struggling to quit smoking, like my mom has said, for the last like 10 years of my life that she wanted to quit smoking and stuff like that, but she never did it. When I joined the army, she would always say, one day I'm going to put these cigarettes up and I'm going to get out there and run with you. Like I'm going to take a PT test with you, that kind of stuff. But it never happened, but I always had faith that it would happen. So by my mom getting the lung cancer, I was so proud that her body didn't withdraw those things because it would have been an even tougher journey than we were already facing. But it was a mental battle for her, like I said, to just kind of be couch ridden, can't really uh, take care of yourself. She was so weak that I needed to help bathe her, which came with insecurities from my mother. Um, she was already a pretty much a, a short. My mom was five two, super petite. So by her losing weight and needing to take these protein shakes to regain some of her weight back, um, she had my dad come all the way from Georgia to cut her hair in the hospital because she didn't want to lose it during the chemo process. So when she was getting the radiation done, she was just like, cut my hair off. Let me shed this now. But when she came home, it came home with those insecurities of everybody um, not knowing what she was going through. So she was a fearful to buy headscarves and or whatever. I don't really know fully what she was feeling. But to me, she was the same person on the inside and the outside. The bald head didn't bother me none. But she was super insecure about it. She didn't really want people coming over and seeing her like that. And I understood it. So unfortunately, she was never able to meet the boyfriend that I do have now um, because me and him kind of started to really date when my mom got sick. He had, I've said already on this podcast, he's lost his father before. So it kind of helped me um, kind of have someone that kind of knew already what I was going through because the rest of my friends, they all have their parents. So, so nobody really could relate. Like my friends did their best to come visit me and my mom in the hospital. Um, I had a friend who checked in on my mom sometimes when I couldn't. So I was appreciative for everybody that was on this journey with me. But um, unfortunately, one day we woke up and my mom just wasn't herself. She was only home for eight days from the time that she left the hospital when she got the radiation and to the time that unfortunately had to take her back to the hospital. I woke up and she literally was speaking gibberish. Like I learned what gibberish was not even to like be funny or make jokes or nothing. My mom had literally lost her marbles. She just didn't sound normal, nothing. So, um, I took her back to the emergency room and pretty much they were saying that she had fluid on her brain and that they were going to do their best to take care of it. So there we were another hospital stay. But like I said, I was taking care of my son in my mom's house, taking care of my brother, making sure he was good, trying to make sure my mom was good, plus working a new job. And like I said, I wasn't working every day or all day or anything like that. But on those shifts that I was required to be at work, to me, I felt like I needed to be at work and I was going to do the best that I could to manage my mom's sickness with my new job, being a mom being a good big sister, everything that came with it, I was somehow going to figure it all out. 
But unfortunately, did I not know that this meant that my mom was going to rapidly decline because my mom was in the hospital for the brain on her flu, uh, the fluid on her brain. And within a week she was gone. So I kind of just wanted to break down the events that happened throughout the week. And like I said, some of this stuff is stuff that I've never even been able to get off my chest, but I felel like this two years solidifies me putting this not necessarily behind me, but being able to fully close that mental chapter of my life. So I was at work one day and the doctors called me to pretty much say that my mom had a heart attack overnight and pretty much saying that with the fluid on her brain that they were able to, I guess, somewhat clear that the heart attack was so strong that my mom's body didn't react to the heart attack. She didn't tell them that she felt like she was having a heart attack The actual heart systems told her, told them that she had had a heart attack. So with something like that, it's like that person is already kind of not there, essentially. So they were pretty much telling me that I needed to come in to sign a DNR and to talk about next steps at that point. They were saying that there was nothing else they can do for her. So literally, I'm at work when I get this phone call and I just didn't know what to do. Um, I flew to the hospital to just, I guess, embrace this bad news even more so. But the hardest part for me out of this whole thing was actually signing that DNR because I knew once I signed that DNR, I was essentially saying that I was okay with letting her go. So because I wasn't expecting my mom to decline as fast as she did. Um, I never got her power of attorney signed. So I was jumping through hoops to try to get a doctor to say that my mom was still medically sane enough for me to have um, a, a notary come to the hospital so that we could sign a power of attorney. So I had legal right to still take over her house and everything like that that I needed to do. Even though I was her next of kin, I already knew that I was in for a legal battle because my mom didn't have a will. And we thought that we had more time. When my mom came home from the hospital the first time, my dad tried to get her to sign the power of attorney with all the instructions, make a will. Everybody felt like she had enough time. She really felt like she had enough time. And I think we were all, I guess, essentially hoping for the best outcome. We didn't think it was going to be that bad. But with my mom being as little as a person she was, Stage four cancer whipped her ass literally in a week's time. So I signed the DNR and um, they were going to move my mom to hospice. I picked out a hospice that was actually near our house because my mom always kept saying that she wanted to go home, that she didn't want to pass in the hospital. So I felt like if I could give her what she needed with a nurse or something here that she could, I would allow her to pass at home. I didn't want my brother to have that kind of trauma waking up and my mom's gone, neither for my son, but still trying to give her what she wanted essentially. So hospice came to visit my mom and I guess do their part of, um, a physical or whatever. And they said that my mom was not even well enough to transport to the hospice center and that they would just move her 
um, into hospice care at the hospital, that she would remain in the same room that she was in, but just would be under hospice. And they were pretty much telling me that the sounds that they were hearing that she was probably going to pass within a day or two. So at this moment, it all kind of settled in that there was no going back and I needed to get all her family and friends there. Um, the biggest, craziest thing about all of this is that her coworkers didn't even know she was sick. When my mom left work from her shoulder pain, she pretty much was just telling everybody that she was taking time off. My mom didn't want anybody to know what was going on because she felt as though that when she was strong enough to come back to work, she was going to come back to work as soon as she could. So it was on me to literally contact whatever coworkers I could contact from her phone, uh, whatever family members and friends I could contact and unfortunately share the bad news. So I turned straight into grind mode. I didn't really get a chance to start the grieving process to really take in what was going on with my mother. Um, I should have spent way more time with my mother, um, just hanging out with her, laying in the bed with her, trying to get her to talk to me as much as she could. Um, at that point she was barely saying anything, but I was so in grind mode, like I got to take care of the house. I got to take, make sure her friends know, family know, whatever, whatever. Everybody's coming to visit. I'm giving everybody their time to spend time with my mom um, until the day of her passing. So the day of her passing, I was there all day. It was actually going to be the first day that I was going to spend the night because my son's father was finally able to come into town to help me out. I wasn't even prepared to stay the night, but I was going to stay the night. That's how I knew my mental was just so focused on the business because I kind of hopped back into like my military mindset. Like I didn't have no clothes, no nothing. I was just going to stay there and be there because I didn't want to miss anything. If somebody tells you they only have a day or two to live, you don't care about nothing else besides those last day or two. I just felt like I needed to be present and I couldn't miss anything. So Shate had agreed to bring me dinner, but she just mentally couldn't bring herself to do it. And I had to understand because I don't know how I would be if one of my friends said, hey, my mother is about to pass in a day or two. I really need you to bring me food. Like, who knows how I would react if I got a text message from one of my friends. So I completely understood and respected it. But that meant that I had to remove my car from... Uh, the valet parking lot because they close at 10. So if I was going to get food, then I needed to have my keys to be able to do so. So my mom's, one of her best friends was there. Um, another one of her best friend's daughters was there. And I believe like a one of her co old co-workers or family friend or something like that was in the room as well. So I kind of felt comfortable with giving them their time while I dip out real quick to get my car, get food and actually park my car in the lot. I get all the way downstairs. I, I give the valet my card. And as I'm standing there waiting for my car, I get a phone call from one of her best friends. And all I hear is my mom's machines being flatlined. That's all I can hear in the background as she's pretty much saying like, your mom is passing. So I instantly tell the valet people to just keep the car that I was going to figure it out. Um, and I had on some type of sandals or something because all I remember is I took my sandals off and I sprinted through that hospital, got all the way down, went up the elevator and like sprinted to her room, but she was already gone. By the time I got there, 
she was completely gone and they already had turned off the machines and closed her eyes. Um, and I just felt like I was so numb. One, I was exhausted from running. Two, it like didn't even sink in that my mother had passed. Three, I'm looking around at a room of everybody crying and I'm just so numb. Like, what do I do now? Like I had to call my dad and let him know my mother had passed. I had to call my son's father and say, yo, my mom passed. Can you bring my brother to the hospital? Like so that they can say their goodbyes. I didn't even know what funeral home that my mother was going to. So I'm making the necessarily texts and calls trying to figure out where they were going to be taking her body. And I had not shed one tear. I'm just sitting there by her bedside, essentially just like zoned out of the situation. Like what the hell am I supposed to do now? And I just ultimately felt like my mother didn't want to pass with me being in the room because she was awake when I like left the room and she knew I was leaving and was going to be gone at least for 15, 20 minutes. And I just felt like there's no way coincidentally she had been doing fine all day up until when I leave only was gone for a few minutes to get my vehicle. So everybody that was in the room had left and gone on home. And I was just sitting there with my mother. I just felt as though at that time I couldn't leave her. Um, my mom has always had my back, always been there for me. All the shit that I put her through in high school and growing up. I was a great kid, but I definitely got myself into some sticky situations that only my mother could get me out of. Um, and I just felt like there was no way that I was going to leave her there in that hospital alone. So... When the lady came in to pretty much like clean my mother up and get her body ready um, for transport, she was shocked that I was in there. She actually said, you're the one of the first people that I've ever seen stay here for this long. Like mostly families leave and let us take care of it. I'm surprised that you're here for that. And I'm just like, I wasn't leaving my mom. Like I'm walking and going with her until I can't, you know, go anymore, essentially. So the lady actually offered my mom's final heartbeat reading. She printed it out for me. And that's actually what I have tattooed on the back of my shoulder to this day. Like my mom's initials and actual, um, a replica of her last final heartbeat. Um, and they gave me the socks that she was wearing, um, and stuff, but I thugged it out and was with my mom. The, the morgue people came and, uh, uh, bagged her body up and I actually, you know, have a video that I'll never, you know, I never will show anybody, but I have a video of them wheeling my mom from the room to the elevator where they go down to the morgue. And they pretty much said like, you know, this is your final stop. Like you can't go with us. But if I was able to go, I would have went to, till they could put her in the fridge, whatever they do with the people in the morgue, I was down to make it the whole way. Um, but unfortunately that was a, like the longest walk from, that hallway all the way out to my car was the longest drive ever all the way home. Um, and I'm just so numb, like listening to Kirk Franklin and, you know, trying to get my mind right because I knew once I get in this house, I'm going to have to turn like my mom mode back on. Like I can't let my son see me defeated. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to figure out what I got to do. Um, fast forward. I actually spoke at my mom's funeral like I choked up a couple of times, but it still didn't set in that my mom was gone. The night at my mom's funeral, we had a ball. We partied just like my mom liked to party. Um, if you know my mom, anytime that she got the red solo cu cups, 
it was popping. My mom's Jacqueline's rum, her box wine. It was a good night. Cigarettes going, weed going, whatever. My mom was always down for a good time. If it was hookah, whatever. The music playing, she'd be dancing around. So we definitely partied how my mom would have partied if she was here with us. Um, so the funeral was amazing. Um, I've talked on here about my mom wanting to be cremated. So I did that for her. Um, everything turned out so beautiful. And it might have been a day or two after my mom's funeral that it actually set in that she was gone. Um, me actually cleaning up her stuff around the couch. That kind of stuff is when it was set in that she was gone. And every day I just was getting up. Like, you know, it kind of just didn't happen. I was just so numb. Uh, people's Facebook posts and stuff, text messages. I was numb to everything. Like me saying thank you to people. I can't even remember the people that reached out with their kind words because it's all a blur. Like you don't really listen to when people are like trying to give you kind wishes because you're just so like frozen on the inside. You don't really know how to feel. But I feel like in these last two years, like I literally woke up one day and it was all on me to figure out. And I figured it out. I've gotten everything taken care of, everything that was needed to be figured out in regards to my mom. I finally was able to put all of that stuff past me this year. And I just feel so good. Therapy has helped me um, figure out the issues, the trauma that was left behind with my mother leaving me on this earth. But it just was so fucked up that my mom was gone in 63 days from the time that we've like before we even found out that she had cancer. But um, it just was a sad way for somebody so amazing to go out. And I just felt like I wanted to do this podcast episode to talk about really what happened because I'm always so brief and vague when people ask me what happened. But I just love her so much. I miss her so much. Um, there's not really anything that I can say, you know. I guess other than that, besides I miss her, I'm always going to miss her, but I'm just so proud of how far I've come with my grief. And I, I just want to, I have like this thing here in my living room that says like, always remember to be strong because you never know who you're inspiring. And I look at that every day because it's like, I know there's other people out here who have lost their mother. Some people lose people in general and just can't get through the day to day. Like they're just mentally tore up over the situation and I always commend myself but for being able to think about her remember her miss her but not really breaking down because my mom was so strong and she was so amazing like she was such a great person that like I, I'm just so thankful to have had her for as long as I did have her because God had a plan for for my life and um I'm actually okay with everything now so I just want to say I love you mom I miss you and I hope that you continue to rest in peace.